Hey, it's Zachy. In this episode, we spoke with a representative of a relatively voiceless group, Israel's Industry Animals. I mean, technically, they do have voices, but we thought that talking to a human would yield a richer conversation. So we sat down with Danny, who works for Freedom Farm Sanctuary, a home for animals who have been saved from the meat and dairy industry, the cosmetic industry, and a handful of other industries. We discussed the farm's ethos and heard stories of the animals and people behind the farm. You're listening to... Israel Underground. is known for having the highest number of vegans per capita. Some vegans are motivated by health reasons, others by environmental reasons, and more still by ideological reasons. So in addition to the vast options of meat and dairy alternatives throughout the country that are in high demand, there are also active online and in-person vegan communities. There are vegan food festivals, there's boutique markets and food trucks, and even catering companies. But veganism is more than Trina and Beyond Burgers. That's not product placement, but we're open to discussion, by the way. There's also an aspect of activism in the vegan lifestyle. While most activism you'd imagine is in raising awareness and converting people to veganism through campaigns such as Meatless Mondays, for example, this initiative is all about the animals. A cow gives milk and a chicken gives eggs, and we don't give it a second thought, and we don't look them in the eyes, and we don't see them for who they really are. This is Danny from the Freedom Farm Sanctuary, or Chavat Chofesh, which is one of several of its kind in Israel. The farm houses and rescues animals from Israel's animal industries and offers tours and workshops for people of all ages to meet and get to know these animals. Uh, well, my name is Danny, uh, and uh, two, uh, almost three years ago, I, start, uh, I started volunteering in Freedom Farm Sanctuary and fell in love. And so um, I, I, I stayed on. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit more about um, what Freedom Farm is. What, what is it and what specifically are, are you doing there um, from day to day? Uh, well, uh, Freedom Farm Sanctuary, is, uh, it's an educational and social um, center. And it's a sanctuary for animals who, who are risk, rescued from the, um, the industry, the food industries. We grow up and uh, we have like a, like a line drawn between uh, uh, animals which we consider our pets, animals that are endangered or um, uh, animals that are our products. And the farm lets you, um, gives you an opportunity to meet them and get closer to them. People ask us, come on, you have children who are poor and don't have anything to eat. You have women that are abused. You have children that are abused. You have so many things to deal with. So why animals and the, you know, the animals that no one looks at? And there's a beautiful sentence that we always, always say, when you teach a child not to step on a caterpillar, it's a very good lesson for the child, not only for the caterpillar. It's an author, uh, Bradley Miller, who uh, wrote it. And we believe that when we educate people to look at an, at an animal in a different way, when an, a child comes to us and see an animal on a wheelchair or a blind animal, and you learn about them and you see them and you use your power not to bully them, 
but to have compassion towards them, then afterwards when this child goes to class and he sees a person, a child or a person with a, some kind of disability, he will, he will know how to use this compassion that he had for an animal towards an, a human being. Um, and my job in the farm is uh, exactly that because I'm in charge of uh, the education in the farm. That's wonderful. So <clears throat> you mentioned that uh, your focus is on um, animals saved from the food industry and the less looked at animals, um, which there's uh, a little bit of a parallel between, I suppose, uh, you know, your mission statement and the mission statement of this podcast even. But I wanted to ask um, a little bit more about the variety of animals that you've taken onto the farm. Uh, well, uh, we have, uh, we call them ambassadors. Uh, we have ambassadors from every industry. So we can, uh, we can find at the farm, we have chickens that are from the, um, the eggs industry. We have chickens from the meat industry. Uh, we have turkeys from the meat industry. Uh, we have uh, sheep and goats uh, from the meat and milk industry. We have cows from the milk uh, and the meat industry. Uh, they are not separated because, uh, you know, when you have a cow in the milk, uh, milk industry, uh, she will eventually find her way, uh, sadly, to the meat industry. Uh, we have also pigs uh, from the meat industry. Uh, we have two female pigs, Orit and Dikla, and we have two male pigs, Yossi and Omri. Lots of people say, no, they, you don't have a meat industry here in Israel of pigs because it's not kosher. Um, if you would like, I would elaborate a, a little bit about it later. And we also have um, four donkeys. Um, they use them to, you know, carry um, carts, you say. Uh, so they really abuse them really, really abuse them. Uh, they have a very difficult life. And we have 13, 13 uh, rabbits from the, um, from the uh, experiment uh, industry. They came from a lab. How, how many rabbits did you start with? Uh, no, no, they are all, <laughs> no, <laughs> they all have, they all been uh, castrated, you say? Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, one of my questions, I guess you kind of cut it off at the head, but I was going to um, kind of inquire. Yes, as far as I'm, I was aware, um, there isn't really a pig meat industry uh, here, and it seems that I'm mistaken. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't don't get it because um, uh, this industry is like you know, it's a it's like a big secret, but it's not. In Israel, in 1962, there was um, a law, it's called the pig's law, in Hebrew, um, which uh, actually may, uh, stated that they, they can't uh, grow pigs on Israel land, on holy land. There are three exceptions. In that time, um, a majority of Christians in the north of Israel so you can uh, raise pigs over there. You can raise pigs for um, the um, uh, experiments and uh, you can raise pigs for uh, zoos. So they said that the, the leftovers, I'm sorry that I'm using this, um, this word, but the leftovers of the pigs that are sent for, the, um, for labs or hospitals can be used for meat. So I wanted to ask, um, earlier you mentioned the idea of castration. 
how does it work with castration on the farm? Um, what's kind of the, I guess, the justification or the approach towards um, n not allowing uh, reproduction on the farm? Yeah, well, first we have to understand that every animal from the animal is uh, have a, different, a genetic deformation that we created. Pigs don't weigh 350 kilos in the wild, okay? Uh, chickens, as I mentioned before, don't weigh three kilos at the age of 38 days. Uh, cows are not supposed to manufacture 40 liters of milk a day. They're supposed to, have to manufacture eight liters of milk a day for their calf. Okay, human uh, played God. We, we made these animals, okay? Due to um, artificial selection. It's not the, the mutation, the normal mutation that you see in animals, okay? What Darwin said, that the, the most equipped one is a survivor. Here you have artificial, an artificial selection. And it's not like you're taking an apple and saying, okay, I want this apple to uh, have longer shelf life. You're taking an animal and you're, um, you're mating them with another animal uh, due to the uh, qualities that you want them to have. So let us say that we are taking these deformed uh, poor animals and we are saying, okay, go have chickens, have lambs, have uh, calves. So we're keeping this, uh, this uh, deformation and we're continuing to produce other animals that are suffering. Uh, we can't, if we take two chickens from the meat industry, they will always be extremely fat and they will die from heart attacks and they will die from pneumonia and they will die because their legs are spread open and they can't stand on their legs. And we do not want to do that. I'm sure that that's, that's kind of frustrating though, that, that idea of like, um, I guess, um, keeping them from, from having that uh, experience but for their for their own good, so to speak. Now, moving forward from here, I understand that the farm has uh, a whole lot of volunteers who come and, and help out around the farm. Can you tell me a little bit more about them? Well, first of all, I want to say that we have around uh, 1,400 volunteers per year. Wonderful, beautiful people that helps us. Without them, we couldn't do anything anything. They are our saviors. The, the most important thing that uh, I need to say, because I deal with the volunteers also, this is something that I do for two years now, and I love it. We don't, we are not judging anyone. Of course, we don't judge our volunteers, so volunteers can come no matter what. It doesn't matter what you eat, what you wear, where you work, you can come and volunteer, and we will say thank you. We will never ask anyone that comes to the farm about their habits, about what they're eating, what they're wearing, it doesn't matter. We just welcome them with open arms and we thank them every day and every minute. But I think we are all working for the same thing. We want these animals free. We don't believe that there should be an exploitation of these animals. They have a way of life, they have... Um, they have fears and hopes and dreams, and they deserve to, you know, to live their own life. For sure. And and you mentioned um, the idea of you know that that respect for people uh, doing their thing, and I'm sure that, um, in fact, I know that uh, many people in Israeli society do not 
quite have that same respect um, for people who think differently. Um, so I wanted to ask, in your experience volunteering for the farm, are there any sorts of stigmas uh, towards you know you or or, or the farm or, or the work that it's doing? Uh, well, I think everybody that comes in the farm is a little bit, um, you know, maybe timid, maybe um, baffled. Uh, I had I had volunteers that came and said, you know, I didn't know if I could come to the farm because, you know, I'm not a vegan and I didn't know if I could come and volunteer. And uh, so this is a stigma that we are trying very hard to, uh, to shatter. It doesn't matter what you eat. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter what you drink, where you work. So this is one stigma that we are trying to shatter. Um, also, uh, people uh, think that maybe when they will come to the farm, we will try to persuade them in any way they, we can to stop eating meat and became, become a vegan. So this is something that they are also, they, when they come to the farm and we see that we are never speaking about it. It's not something that we speak about. Even when we uh, have tours in the farm, we are not speaking about veganism. We're speaking about compassion. We're speaking about respect. We're speaking about harmony and love. This is the, the coexistence of the farm that we are open to all opinions. There is no, no opinion who is right or wrong. Uh, by the way, this is something that I, I do also during the lessons uh, for children. Uh, when I, I'm not coming to give a lecture, I'm, I'm coming to have a conversation. So uh, I have a game that I'm playing with the children. It's called uh, free or not free. And there is a picture, let's say, of a, of a cow running in the field, and everyone is entitled to his or her opinion, and they can say that this cow is free or it's not free. And this is okay, and this is okay. The only thing is that they need to give any um, validation. Why do you think that she's free? Why do you think she's not free? And for children, this is very, uh, is very new because there's also, there's always right or wrong. And also in the farm, we're trying to show that there is opinions. We are not trying to convince you to do anything you don't want to do. We just want you to, to have all the knowledge. If you have the knowledge, you have power. You have power to decide what you want to do next. And this is the farm. We, need to, we want you to, to have all the knowledge and then you will choose what you need to do next. So I, I understand that the Freedom Farm takes on a lot of injured and disabled animals. Can you tell me one of the success stories of the farm? We have some, some really good success stories in the farm. Um, and it's very difficult for me to choose uh, one story. Uh, we have a, a bull with a prosthetic leg, uh, the only one in the Middle East, which is running around in the farm. We have uh, lambs, we have uh, a sheep uh, with a wheelchair, we have a goat with a wheelchair, uh, we have a blind turkey, um, uh, we have blind goats, but I would like to tell you about Gary. Uh, Gary is a sheep, um, he is named after Gary Urovsky, and uh, he was born in the meat industry uh, as a tiny lamb, and he was paralyzed uh, on his right side. And... Um, the manager of the, of the place uh, looked at him and something in his eyes were different. And he said, okay, I won't throw him away. 
uh, that's what they do with them. With them, they just throw them on a pile of bodies. And he said, "I won't do that. I will take him and I will uh, put him in a." There was a school, an agri agriculture school next to this uh, uh, place, and he just took him over the fence and left him there. And in the morning, uh, a student came, 14 years old uh, student by the name of Yuval. And she heard the little lamb screaming and crying and uh, she didn't ignore him. And she, she tried to help him. She tried to help him get on his feet. She tried to give him to eat with a bottle. She tried to uh, find someone to help her. And she called us. She called and Meital Benari, she's the founder, the co-founder of the farm with uh, Adit Romano. Uh, Meital answered the phone and uh, Yuval told her about the little lamb that can't stand and just crying and screaming. And so Meital told her, okay, I'm, I'm coming over. And she drove all the way uh, to uh, uh, Tveria and she saw the little lamb and uh, so she told Yuval that if she wanted him to have a chance of living and trying to walk, um, she needs to give him up. And uh, Yuval, this amazing person, said okay. So Mital took the little lamb, which you now know that his name was Gary, and she put him in the car and she wrapped him with blankets and she started the, the, the journey back to the farm. But Gary was screaming in the back seat, just screaming and screaming without stopping even for a minute. Uh, at the end, uh, Metal couldn't hear it anymore. She stopped the car at the, uh, at the side of the road. She took Gary in her arms like a baby. And the moment Gary felt her skin and felt the heartbeats, he just stopped crying and fell asleep on her like a baby, immediately. And when she tried to put him back on the back seat, he woke up and screamed again. So she put the seat belt on top of Gary and herself and drove to the farm with a lamb on her arms just praying that no officer will, will stop her, no police officer will stop her. And when she came to the farm, it was, uh, it was uh, she understood what happened. Gary uh, just imprinted her. He uh, decided that she was his mother. And for Meital, it was very difficult because suddenly she became a mother of a lamp that won't, won't stop screaming when she's walking away. But for Gary, it gave him like superpowers. Uh, and then they started taking care of him. He um, immediately got uh, acupuncture and massages and um, uh, food and medicine and everything all around him 24 seven, 24 hours a day. They wouldn't leave her, his sight. Uh, he would be sleeping with Meital in her home and the treatments were all day long. And uh, four days later, we have it on uh, video, Four days later, he could stand up and take some steps. And after a month, he would run and jump and play soccer. And uh, it's a very, very good uh, example of, of uh, success. Of course, he's still disabled and uh, we, he has a special uh, uh, shoes that helps him uh, walk more easily. Uh, his back leg is very deformed. And he's still a handicapped, but it's a success story because he has very, very good life. Uh, but he's a success story. He's not a complete success story because he's still disabled, but uh, he's a success story for me, I think. Well, I think that's uh, that's a wonderful note to uh, to wrap up on. Um, I want to ask before we, we let you go, is there anything else that you'd like to add? I just want to know 
to let everyone know that they can come and volunteer and they can come and be with the animals and come to tours and learn about them. And we really welcome everyone to come and to see them and to learn about them and to be with them and to come and be with us in this experience and to, you know, maybe open our minds and our hearts and our eyes to see them in a different way. Danny, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, to those listening, go check them out. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We're really excited to keep the show going. If you have any suggestions for topics or people whose voices should be heard, drop us a line. You can send us a message on anchor.fm slash israel-underground. And you can also follow us on Facebook at il.underground. Israel Underground is written and produced by Eden and Zaki Farber-Hennessy. All additional audio is used under Creative Commons. Thanks for listening.